Hey, 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 stop. Slow, slow down. Hey, right there. Who is that? It's got to be a French chick. Calm down, everyone. It's all right. What are you doing here? The others are coming. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Sass and Sips. Every week, we will be discussing and dissecting an episode of Lost in Order. Today's episodes are Exodus 1, 2, and 3. We are your hosts. I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And how are you doing today? I've been trying not to burp out loud for the past, like, 30 seconds. I'm like, they're just coming. I'm like, please don't hear me burp. Okay. All right. that, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, what are you drinking today? As if I didn't already see and snap a picture. I'm drinking... <laughs> Moscato today. I have Snapple lemon iced tea with, with lemon. What kind of vodka is it? Oh, kettle one. Kettle one lemon vodka with an actual lemon inside. <laughs> She's drinking out of the bottle. I love it. Listen, listen why dirty a glass? White. If you know you're going to finish it, why even try to pretend? Why approach it a fraud? That's what I say. Be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's how today's episode is going to work. Tell us, Lisa. Spoiler alert. It's going to be a long one. Instead of doing... And this is where everyone stops listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, instead of doing an episode... For part one, part two, and part three, we're just going to combine them all into one episode. Um, Scheduling-wise, it just works better. So and hopefully, yeah. hopefully, we're not scaring you away right now. So this is actually this is actually a chance you get a chance to hear us fall deeper into the rabbit hole that is our minds. So this is going to yeah. be interesting. So we're just going to run this episode the way we do all the rest. It's just going to be longer. Are you ready? I'm ready, Freddie. Okay. (laughs) The flashbacks in in these episodes, instead of focusing on one person, they all focus on one event, which is basically how they got to the airport and on the plane. Yes. Okay. And I thought that was so cool. And then I noticed... The, all the one degree of separation between almost everybody was trying to cool before leaving on the plane. So I'm like, Lisa's going to be so proud of me. <laughs> so let's start with the flashbacks. Walt. Walt is watching Power Rangers in a hotel room at 5.23 a.m. Because it is early, Michael awakens in irritation and tells his son to turn the volume down. In rebellion to his biological father, Walt turns it up, which leads to a fight. Now, you see, that's how you get your, ma- your teeth smack out your fucking t- out your mouth. But I'm just saying. <laughs> well, Sawyer said it on the raft. Like, he would have seen the back of my hand by now. <laughs> right. But 
in a later scene, it makes sense to ask as to why he reacted the way he was reacting to his father once they got on the island. Like, you see that, you know, you're like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. See? See what happens when I actually pay attention? I could be useful. I could contribute. Walt attempts to run away with Vincent, but Michael stops him in the hotel hallway. The fight escalates, with, which draws attention from the other guests, to whom Michael explains he is Walt's father. Okay, not for nothing, Walt is, like, screaming, you're not my father, you're not my father. And the guy just goes back into his room like, oh, okay. I mean, because I thought it was going to be something. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be something so much bigger. They're going to get him from child abduction. Like, I, I expected, mm-hmm. like, the worst case scenario. But at the same time, I think we've all had those moments with our children where they like, you're not my mom, or I hate you, or stupid shit in public. You're like, I will fucking wait. Wait. I would like to think it wasn't a parent not caring. I would like to think it's a parent like, yeah, I've been there. So that's the way I choose to decipher that scene. Jack, in the Sydney airport bar, a a young woman named Ana Lucia orders a tequila and tonic and introduces herself to Jack, who is sitting nearby waiting for Oceanic Flight 815. I think I know who my favorite character is going to be. Ooh, Anna Lucia. I have, but is, like, does she? She's like, doesn't she get on that same plane? I was just gonna say, but how do you even know she's in the show? Like, I just have favorite a character is a random woman. I have a feeling. Bar. I have a feeling that she's gonna be on like season three or four or something. All okay. right. You like shut up, Agnes. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> we'll just wait to see her again. He's going to get through the whole season, the whole series, and be like, so whatever happens? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I shut up. The two no, share... I remember the com- I'm trying to remember the, the commercials from 20 years ago, and if I remember... Fine, continue. How would you even begin to remember that? All right. <laughs> now you'll... I'm giving her a eventually, Yeah, eventually you'll see her again, but whatever. The two share a conversation in which Jack says his dad had recently died and he was returning to Los Angeles for the funeral. Okay, first of all, she starts the conversation by asking why he was yelling. And he's like, what? And she's like, so your dad died? And he's like, I thought you didn't know. She's like, well, I was being polite. If you were being polite. And then she's like, how did he die? What, What kind of politeness is that? Like, I guess it was like, listen, I was trying to be polite, but you you don't get subtlety. I'm just gonna come out. I'm gonna I'm just gonna be. Oh my goodness. She must mm-hmm. be from New York. Stop. <laughs> Anna Lucia flirts with Jack, who reveals he was once married, but not anymore. Right. The conversation is interrupted by a phone call. She tells Jack she has to take the call, but promises to share a second drink on the plane. The two tell each other their seat numbers. 42F for her and him 23B. So they both have seat numbers that are one of the numbers. Yes. I don't even remember the numbers. Like, I oh my God, they're ingrained in my memory. Jack is no longer married. Right. I was Any like, guesses? well. Any speculation? None. Okay. I think she realized she was too good for his jackass. 
Okay. I, I don't know. I, I think he didn't want his things, and he's like, I'm not good enough for you. Just leave me. You know, I think he, that's something Jack dumbass would do. I'm very anti-Jack. Okay, Sawyer. At an Australian police station, Detective Calderwood brings Sawyer in for being in a bar fight and headbutting the Minister of Agriculture. He's like, but he headbutted me first. Seriously. <laughs> I'm just saying. Calderwood calls Sawyer by his real name, James. I and know. Ex- James I still like Ford, Sawyer. And explains he knows all about his cons and felonies. Calderwood books him on a flight out of Australia, claiming it is because incarceration would take more work and money than Sawyer's worth. He's told never to return to Australia. So now we know why he was in the police station. Kate. Kate and Edward Mars are talking to a security officer who questions Mars, asking why he needs to bring five guns on board. (laughs) When the officer finds the toy airplane in the Halliburton case, Mars tells him it belonged to her childhood sweetheart, who she got killed a couple of years ago. He explains it was the only thing of value left to her, and so he had baited her with it, and says how Kate used some idiot to hold up a bank just to get the toy airplane back. He taunts Kate. What was his name? After he asks this to her repeatedly, she jumps on him and throws him to the wall, saying, it was Tommy, son of a bitch. After Kate is restrained, Mars turns to the officer and says, that's why I need five guns. So during this scene, I remember we talked about how she was um, already, I thought she was already on the run before Mm -hmm. she got to the hospital because she was obviously hiding her face. From the thing, so I think you were right. I was right, right? You like, were right. Yay! Yeah, because he uh, says that that he uh, she got somebody killed while she was on the run. Right. So he like his explanation of why he needs five guns gives it's, a nice synopsis of her, her story put in order and how she knew that the plane was in the bank. I was wondering, I'm like, because I didn't think about the federal, I didn't think that a federal marshal would do something that childish. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, that's what I was like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, but I knew someone but, put it in there for her or put it in, someone that, else put it in there. The thing that still kind of confuses me, though, is that if he told her that it was in there, why wasn't anybody watching the bank? You know what I mean? Like, if he's, if he's baiting her, quote unquote, with the airplane, why wasn't she caught? Just because you have a good plan don't mean he knows how to execute it. <laughs> and, you know, he may not have been. So I caught something here that I've never thought about before. Her childhood sweetheart was Tom. And he's a doctor. Jack is a doctor. Do you think that that... And and I, I honestly, like, this is not, like, me prodding you. This is, like, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe that could have something to do with her attracting to, her attraction to him? That he she sees Jack as Tom and some, like, like she's... A, like the whole, yeah. Like, subconsciously, like, oh, Dr. Jack, Tom. Like, she's kind of grasping on to some semblance. I can see that happening, absolutely. But you know she's feeling Sawyer. We'll get to that in their ah, ah. missed connection section I know on that list. 
uh, Shannon. While Shannon waits for Boone as he attempts to upgrade their seats to first class, Saeed asks if he can leave his bag with her. She agrees, and he walks off. When Boone returns, saying the agent wouldn't upgrade their seats because Shannon had been difficult during check-in, she storms off to try again, leaving Saeed's bag unattended. Shannon threatens to have Boone thrown off the plane to spite him, and after he implies that her morals wouldn't allow her to do this, she notifies the guard that some Arab guy left a suspicious bag in the waiting area. The guy, the the worker is like, can you describe him? And she's like, she's um, like, um, Arab. Uh. <laughs> um, she's such a fucking twat here. Anyway. Um, but I think that, but I think that maybe it's hindsight, you know, maybe it's like the, or maybe it's the show kind of being extra, but I think it just, all the flashbacks serve to show how far that the characters have come since they that, this, got that one to month. the island. Just this right. one month. Of, How much they've grown yeah. in character. Okay, Sun. Sun brings Jin coffee and food in the airport prior to their flight and accidentally spills coffee on his lap. While she apologizes and helps him clean up, an American woman sitting nearby mocks Sun's subservience to him. Like she used the right word. Subservience. Yeah. Remember we went through that? We went through, <laughs> yes, submissive and subservient. Yes. Her husband advises her to keep her voice down, and she incorrectly assures him that Sun can't understand English. I mean, okay, so that's a typical American attitude. You're you're really going to talk shit about somebody, anybody else's relationship, like it's a negative, and then be like, oh, they'll speak English. You're like, oh, God. Like, I put my head down in shame. (laughs) I was like, oh. Those are the flashbacks that we see in... Part one. Okay, so on the island, Walt walks over to the jungle to urinate. There he sees Rousseau stalking the camp from afar. He runs to his father and alerts him to the situation. Rousseau comes into the beach camp where the castaways gather around her. Said asks what she is doing there. Rousseau says the others are coming. She explains that she was seven months pregnant when she arrived on the island. A week after her baby daughter was born, she was taken by the others with the heralding of a pillar of smoke that appeared 16 years ago. The survivors, Rousseau claims, only have three real choices to handle the others, run, hide, or die. Later, Jack explains to Locke that Rousseau's warning shouldn't be treated as truth, and the only important thing right now is launching the raft. Jack goes to Michael to see what he what help he can offer. Eventually, the majority of the island community pitches in okay. to try to quickly launch the raft. Okay. As so, they are pushing the raft, oh. wait, wait, as they are pushing the raft towards the sea, Sawyer uses his lever incorrectly and the mast of the ship is damaged. Okay, go ahead. So, when Jack quite calmly and asks Mike what does he need and Michael's like kind of flippant. He was like, "Well, I'm gonna need all these people to get this done." So, the day before, or I'm assuming the day before, 
prior when you found out the time frame from the science from the science teacher why Ours. did why yeah why i call him a science teacher because i don't want to pronounce his name wrong i don't want him getting mad at me it, he's dead now yeah <laughs> let me get to that part yet but yeah um when he realized the time frame why didn't he proactively say hey I'm gonna need X I'm gonna need X amount of people if we're gonna get this done today. Instead of being flippant and being childish, this is your project. This if that was your responsibility to say, hey, now that we're on a time frame, I'm gonna need these are the resources I'm gonna need. That bothered me. So that gives an attitude. I feel like I in a lot of ways, especially in the first season, I can identify with Michael a lot as a New Yorker. Because, first of all, it is almost like even the little things that he does, like when he's mumbling to himself in the jungle, like, I remember when Walt is like, go find my dog, and he's like, as soon as he... It, um, as soon as it stops raining, and then it stops raining, he's like, ah, you go find the dog, and stop raining, and it's like... But in this scene, it's like he has something that he has to do and he's he don't want to ask nobody for help. It's just this is what I got to do. You want to help you come help. That's it. But this is where I'm where I'm going to be. And then you catch your attitude like, you know, us, we got we got attitude for days. Like, you see, I'm a New Yorker, but I'm proactive, not reactive. He's being very reactive. Like, we're also a man. May not exactly be proactive. Like, oh shit, I'm on a time frame. Okay, I need A, B, C, and D done. But who? And but like realistically, aside from Jin and Sawyer who were helping him, who's he really gonna tell? Hey guys, we are here with an update to our scheduling. We just wanted to let you guys know that from Memorial Day to Labor Day, we are going to be going back to every other week publishing schedule. Okay, say something witty here. Witty? Because actually, as you're talking, because you kind of, I don't know if it's witty or not, but you sounded very sex kitten when you said, hello. You know, I was like, oh. Agnes is at a loss for words, apparently. <laughs> I know, it doesn't happen. This is like a 30-second promo, and you don't have words. But okay, the point is, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, we're going to release our regularly scheduled Lost episodes every other Monday. Maps will still be every two weeks, and Spotlight will still be the first of the month. And then after Labor Day, we will go back to Lost being put out every week just so that we can be able to spend a little bit more time with our families and enjoy the summer so that's it that was the update okay so it's kind of obvious that they all see jack as the unofficial leader Mm -hmm. and you can't like so until he makes a decision that they don't like right but still (laughs) They, they recognize him as someone that they're going to go to, you know, that if they need something done. So Michael could have very well said, oh, shit, we're on a time frame. Hey, Jack, mm-hmm. I need. That's true. I need some. I need help. I'm going to need, need ABC. I, I just think I'll just tell I don't yeah. think, I just don't think him being proactive. He rather just bitch about something. I just think it's 
I don't think it was for any other reason that he just wasn't thinking proactively. Could be. Get your shit together. But I, but but also he could just be like, like remember we talked about this um, with Locke and the Hatch. Like when you get so hyper focused on something, that sometimes you forget what what's going on around you. I get that, but the time frame was part of like mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that they had to sell, they had to herb and sale directly affected his project. I don't remember the order, but did he need everyone to help before or after Sawyer damaged the part? Before. Oh. And after it was damaged, everyone came in. The, the sense of urgency was even more so because it was damaged. Okay. Yeah. So maybe he's just another whiny bitch baby. Whiny bitch baby. Did you watch Scandal? Did you watch yes. Scandal? As Jen and Michael work to fix it, Sawyer feels like his work is unappreciated. At this time, Walt points out a column of black smoke coming from within the forest horizon. The survivors gather together and realize that Rousseau's threats may have credence. Jack goes to Rousseau for more questioning. Rousseau says she has told them everything she knows about the others and Jack needs to find a way to hide 40 people. Well, you're in luck, huh? Locke takes Jack, Rousseau, Saeed, and Hurley to the hatch, where Locke suggests the only place to hide their large group would be in the metallic structure that they still have no way to open. He suggests that they try the dynamite Rousseau used to destroy her camp. Rousseau says to acquire more dynamite would require them to venture back to the Black Rock through an area of jungle dubbed the Dark Territory. Let me see if I could pronounce it. She says, Territoire France, I think. Yeah, that's 100% sure. better than what I could do. The only French I know is Omelette de Fumage, and I've learned that from Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> I remember, because I took one year of French in sixth grade with Miss Nicholson. Menage a trois. <laughs> I'm a Jim Appel. Oh, I remember Miss Nicholson. Yes. I wonder if she's still alive. Yeah. If you're still alive. Hi, Miss Nicholson. You say, yeah, Uh, like it's a guarantee. Yeah, she is. Because she has to be. Because I say so. Okay. Well, then in that case. Because I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm positive. (laughs) I remember Jim Appel. Comment allez-vous? Entre mon chéri, I know. Voulez-vous? Champagne. I forgot the. Croissant. We. No. Okay. <laughs> we are such fucking idiots. We are such idiots. Okay. Well, we know a lot of French. We might be able to make it. <laughs> I think we could together. We can order omelets. And curse and have threesomes. I mean, what else do we need? Absolutely nothing. And champagne. No more French. Back to Rousseau. Jack, to calm the uneasy masses, tells them a plan is in the works already. Surprisingly, a biology teacher named Leslie Arst volunteers to go. He claims to have knowledge of handling volatile dynamite better than anyone else and offers his expertise. Sawyer offers more help on the raft, but is rejected by Michael and Jim for the mishap earlier, prompting Sawyer to work solo on a new mast 
by cutting wood in the jungle. There, Jack approaches Sawyer, joking that Sawyer was a lumberjack in the real world. Sawyer, a little irritated, asks Jack what he wants. Jack offers Sawyer a gun, just in case something goes wrong on the raft journey. Sawyer takes it, to which Jack wishes him good luck. This was such a good scene. Um, um, before we get to the sappy, pretty nice part, when he gave him the gun, and said, you, you know, you're the only one in the raft that knows how to use it, I'm thinking... But does he really? Does he? Does he really know how to use it? <laughs> he missed the guy straight off. He only shot the polar bear because it's a fucking polar bear. Like, but does he really? <laughs> Walt I might just have think... a good chance. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, no, I think I think you're right. Um, but I think that he. This was almost like an olive branch, and I think that he trusts Sawyer's judgment. Maybe more than his eyesight. Well, now he's got glasses, so <laughs> he is. He no one not for nothing. He still looks sexy as fuck with the jacket. I think he looks even more sexy. I I what? have a I have a thing for a guy in glasses. I, I don't, don't know what it is. I got think for guys at this point. Like <laughs> I just when Alex went to go get his glasses. He's like, okay, how about these? He's like, because you got to approve them. <laughs> You're like, come here, baby. I don't know what it is, but like, oh, shh. Oh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was great. That was, that was... <laughs> he hears a dog outside. She was sleeping, yawning and growling. <laughs> the timing was awesome. What the fuck? Like, what is going on in my house? Is somebody banging on the door? Yeah, okay, so I... Uh, going back to Sawyer, I think that this was Jack's olive branch of, like, listen, like, no matter what shit we've been through, I want you to have this because I, I trust you, and I think that you're, you know, you're a good person, and you're gonna do the right thing. Like... <laughs> I don't think Stella agrees with you. I don't think so either. And then, as Jack walks away, he is stopped by Sawyer, who reveals he spoke to Jack's father in Australia before his death, and that his father was proud of him. Jack receives the news emotionally, but maintains himself, to which Sawyer wishes him good luck also. Aww. This scene was something, especially after like a few it. episodes ago, Sawyer was an asshole and just he had the opportunity to tell him and he didn't. I think that this was Sawyer's way of saying Goodbye, thank you good and luck. offering his own right. Olive branch. You know, because he, he realized that Jack was struggling or whatever, but um, yeah, I, I think that this scene was really important for the two of them. Walt asks Shannon why she is folding her clothes. She replies, because I'm anal. That's what Saeed said. Um, anyway. <laughs> but ding, ding, ching. <laughs> he leaves Vincent in Shannon's custody, saying Vincent was good company when his mother died, and he might do the same for her after Boone's death. I thought that was a sweet moment. That was too. so. That was pretty. That was a beautiful moment. 
Sun says goodbye to Jin and hands him a notebook with common English language nautical words and phrases written out phonetically in Korean. They make up and he says he will still go on the raft as he wants to as he wants to do this to rescue her. Jin, Walt, Michael, and Sawyer set off on the raft, which appears to be fully operational. Vincent attempts to paddle out and follow them, but Walt tells him to turn around, which he does. This scene was kind of emotional. It had me ugly crying. It killed did me. It the really? whole th- it did, because the whole, th- like, like, everyone's saying their goodbyes and they're hugging each other, and I'm like, okay. It's so filled with, like, sadness, but hope, and it's... I was, I was numb until the whole Vincent thing. I was like, uh, and I, okay, looking at both of June's and Son's flashbacks, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, you know, he does love her. You mm-hmm. know, there's love for them. And, and the whole time after they stops, he stopped speaking to her I'm waiting I'm like when are you going to like talk to your fucking wife like I'm waiting and he wasted and I'm glad he actually said I'm sorry and I'm glad he acknowledged you know their love for one another I'm like dude what took you so fucking long because basically yeah. she didn't do anything wrong all the shit that you put her through how you look at it I look at it as she knows English she didn't tell you because this is as far as he knows Right. And yet, you know what you put her through. Is that mm-hmm. really enough for you to stop fucking talking to her? No. It's well, not. He, because his his ego was hurt. Exactly. She embarrassed him. That's and, it. And I'm just waiting. I'm like, when is your ego? Because I know I had, cause I know he loves her. I know that love mm-hmm. is, it can be humbling. And I'm waiting for him to be like, come on, dude, any day now. Like, don't waste this time. And I'm just glad he did it when he did it. Dumbass man ego. All okay. right. Jack, Kate, Rousseau, Locke, Hurley, and Arst journey into the woods to retrieve the dynamite. As they head deeper into the jungle, Rousseau sees a vine with what looks like blue powder on it and declares they have entered the dark territory. Rousseau says it is here where her team got infected and Montand lost his arm. This upsets Ars, <laughs> who decides to head back to the camp. You heard what happened to Montand? He lost his arm. <laughs> this was before that. <laughs> this was before Montand lost his arm. <laughs> Such a fucking whiny bitch baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny how I found that it happens a lot throughout this series thus far. People will volunteer for a knowingly dangerous expedition. Knowingly. Not mm-hmm. like it could be, but knowingly. And then they get all like, oh, wait, this is dangerous. No fucking shit, moron. But go ahead. <laughs> the group continues on, but ours soon rejoins them, chased through the woods by the monster. Screaming are- like a bitch, mind you. <laughs> I thought it was a dead animal. Yeah, you hear it. It's like, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And Rousseau is like, do you hear that? (laughs) She's like, never, in her head, she's like, never in my 16 years have I heard that shit. (laughs) They are scared, but the beast leaves them unharmed. Rousseau says the beast is the island's defense system. She says that it's protecting the island. 
As they journey further, Rousseau says they have arrived at the Black Rock, which turns out not to be a geological formation, but a shipwrecked sailing ship. Did you expect that? Um, I didn't expect it, but I wasn't surprised either. I was like, yeah. I like when they're like, how did that get here? And she's like, are you on the same island as me? <laughs> I know. Constantly thinking the same thing along that same line. I'm like, like, dude, you saw polar bears. Like, what the fuck? Is this, this boggles your mind? Right. That's what I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of trivia for part one before we move on. This episode marks Boone's first appearance since his death with speaking lines. And it also marks Shannon's, the first Shannon flashback. She hasn't technically had one. The last flashback that involved her was technically a Boone flashback. You know what? That's right. Yeah. Interesting. He is the 14th and last of the original 14 main characters to receive a flashback from her point of view. Another Star Wars reference. When Michael says to Jin, no, 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 this this one goes there, that one goes there. It's the exact same thing that Han Solo tells Chewie when um, they're repairing the Millennium Falcon. Um, I know, you don't. I've never seen, I think I saw Star, maybe the first Star Wars, like, when I was, like, a ch- whatever. I don't, so for all intent and purposes, I've never seen a Star Wars movie. I've seen bits and pieces when they came back about 20 years ago when they re- saw, you know, mm-hmm. brought back the franchise. I saw bits and pieces of it then, but yeah, nope. And this is where we lose more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I like Star Wars. We're good. I'll, I'll okay. Keep you keep, keep them. them okay. In the very first episode, well, in the pilot, when they're listening to the transmission, when Shannon is asked to translate, the Black Rock is actually mentioned in the transmission if you speak French, but she doesn't okay. translate that part. So the Black Rock, or the, the idea of it, has been since the pilot episode, and it took the whole damn season to find out what the fuck it was. Okay, so, all right. Um, Am I going to have to learn any other languages I, right? throughout, this <laughs> season, throughout this show? My goodness, I'm about to download Babel or some shit. In a previous episode, in the pilot, Sawyer mentioned Saeed getting pulled out of line at the airport. Remember when they're fighting because he thinks that he's a terrorist? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Now, now we know now why we he know got why. out. Hey everyone, Lisa here. I want to take a moment to tell you about this really cool travel backpack that I got. It's made by Muslim and it's so cool. As you know, Agnes and I are not in the same state, so we travel to see each other quite frequently. This backpack makes it so easy to do so. The bag has space for everything. When I fly, I don't like to check a bag. This makes it so easy for me to bring everything that I need with me on carry-on including recording equipment it has a space for everything trust me when i say that if you travel even if it's just for a road trip this bag is perfect for you go to muslim.com now and use our promo code sasspod for 20 percent off of your new bag trust me when i say you'll love it 
So now we're going to start the second part, which is a two-parter as it is. It's a, I'm sorry, what they call a feature-length episode. If you want to get technical. Yeah, I know. I rolled my ass too. <laughs> <laughs> I did the roll eye duck face. Like, mm-hmm. Let's do, we'll do the flashback. Same, same like the other one. We'll do the flashbacks and then. All right. So it's Jin. So now we're going to get it from his perspective. In the airport, after Sun spills coffee all down his shirt, Jin goes to the bathroom to clean up. Meanwhile, airport security releases Saeed and apologizes to him for the delay. In the bathroom, Jin encounters a casually dressed Caucasian man who asks him for a paper towel in English. When Jin indicates that he speaks no English, the man switches to Korean, seeming somewhat more menacing now. He reveals that he works for Mr. Pike and knows that Jin is attempting to run away with Sun. He tells Jin to complete his delivery of a watch to an associate in Los Angeles. If he does anything else, he says Jin will lose son. Charlie. At a hotel near the airport, Charlie looks for his stash before leaving for his flight. A girl from the previous night is in his bed, and she needs a fix. As Charlie finds the drugs, she asks if he has any left. He says he's out, lying, and tries to escape in a hurry. While claiming he will send her a free drive shaft album. We haven't heard in a while that he's in a band. I know. <laughs> well, not quite. Um, he was uh, writing the song, The Monster, The Monster Ate the Pilot. But like, you know, um, <laughs> Charlie's in a band. She can tell he's lying and attacks him for the drugs. After a struggle in the hotel room, Charlie refuses to let go of the heroin. She calls him pathetic and storms out of the room. I swear, Charlie is always being called pathetic. Michael and Walt sit in the airport waiting for their flight. Walt is absorbed in his Game Boy. Michael is frustrated that they can't connect. He gets up, claiming he needs to call work, but instead calls his mother. He expresses his exasperation to his mother and offers to pay his mother to take care of Walt. He wanted Walt to go live with his mother. Like it, saying to take care of her makes it seem like if she's gonna like help him out. No, she he was he was pawning him off on her. While Michael is on the phone, Locke passes by, being pushed in his wheelchair. But when Michael hangs up, Walt is right next to him, asking for new batteries for his game. He may have heard the whole conversation. You know he did. He didn't seem to care though. Like, if he did, he's like, I need batteries. <laughs> yeah, he heard it. And then that kind of makes sense for their the interaction <clears throat> on the island at first. That all makes sense. Hurley. In room 2342, did you catch all the instances? You There's no way. Because even I didn't catch the ball Which of the what? numbers. Of the numbers no, in Hurley. No, because I don't know the numbers to begin with. So no. You didn't, didn't even notice it. it on the soccer team? Because that one was pretty obvious. Do you remember when he's going and he passes the soccer team? Their jerseys. And it was in order. The back of their jerseys, the numbers. 4, 8, it. 15, 16, 23, 42. I didn't notice as he passed them. I have a theory on her having <laughs> in his numbers, though. When you... Okay. In... In room 2342 of his hotel, 
Hurley wakes up late for his flight due to a localized power outage, apparently caused by Hurley plugging in too many devices in a blackened electrical outlet. On his way out of the hotel, Charlie yells at him for holding up a full elevator. In a mad dash for the airport, he experiences several mishaps, including a flat tire, during which the car slows from 42 kilometers an hour to 16, then 15, then 8, then finally 4. And arriving at the wrong terminal, he runs through the airport, passing a team of soccer players wearing jerseys with the numbers in numerical order. He buys an electric scooter from an old man for $1,600 and manages to get the ter- manages to get to the terminal just as they are closing the gate. And he tries to cut off Arst in the security line. I caught all of that. At gate 23, Hurley finds the boarding doors closed, but the gate attendant is able to, to get them to reopen the doors for him, and he hugs her effusively before boarding. It's like his lucky day. Well, somebody was like, maybe it's not meant for you to make the flight. And then she's like, this is your lucky day. <laughs> so my thing is, he says he thinks he's cursed. These numbers are. What if the numbers were trying to keep him like all his bad luck really wasn't bad luck. Mm-hmm. Like the house catching like the house on fire after his mother hurt her ankle. What if, A, she didn't hurt her ankle and they might have been in the house where they caught on fire? Or what if the house caught on fire because there was a gas leak? Like, maybe his bad mm-hmm. luck really isn't bad luck. Like, all these, like... Right. Like, all these things happening to so he was going to miss his plane. It was maybe it was keeping, trying to keep him from catching the plane. Well, and I think that that is not a bad theory. But, because... Well, no, because when he sees them on the oh, hatch. Because. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. Because when he sees them on the oh. hatch and he's like, no, don't open it. Because he thinks that maybe they're trying to give a warning. So I don't think that that's a bad theory. Yeah, you agree with me. I do agree with you. And he hugs think- the gate attendant. He hugs everybody. <laughs> you know the funny thing is, Lisa? I think what I find so funny is that your amazement when you agree with me. <laughs> think about our past episodes. You're like, what? Well, yeah, absolutely. Like, you're like, you're shocked when you agree with me. <laughs> and next and last, we get to Locke. Oceanic airline staff report to Locke that they have lost the wheelchair normally used to load disabled passengers onto the plane. And he must manually be carried onto the plane by two attendants. When he drops a pamphlet from his seat, he is unable to reach it. He is clearly frustrated by the whole situation and struggles to maintain his dignity. When they show his flashback scene, it really serves especially I think especially with him granted with all of them it shows like how far that they've come and the contrast to who they were and who they you know who they were then and who they are now but I think especially in Locke's case he was like a sad pathetic kind of guy you know just waiting for 
for the things around him. You know, like, don't tell me what I can't do, but he really couldn't do much of anything. Like, just to show you, he couldn't get on the plane without help. He dropped a pamphlet. He couldn't even pick it up. He, And then it cuts back to the island, and here he is facing down a monster, running through the jungle, like getting the dynamite. You know, it's just... I feel with Locke, it's not so much as growth as it is opportunity yeah. or freedom. Because he, because you know, like he's, like he, I think he's always been this person. He's always, as you could tell, even with his, with Cooper, his fucking father, he's a good person. And he has, like his brain, he has a great mind. He's always had a mind. Um, when that mind develops into more other, to other things, I don't know yet, but I think this allowed him, he's always had that in him. He's always shown that to be who he is. He just wasn't given the opportunity because of his his um, his, his handicap. And this, mm-hmm. So it brings a tear to my eye. Love him, Locke. Hi, Terry. Okay. So <laughs> there is more that I want to say about this. But don't. But I can't. I can't yet. About his handicap. Season two, season three, season four. How long do I have to wait? Yeah, season two. Okay. Yeah, I think I'll be able to talk about it in season two. Finally, all of the passengers board Oceanic Flight 815. They take their seats, unaware of each other and the relationships they will form as they casually engage in friendly smiles and gestures to the strangers. As Hurley boards, Walt looks up from his Game Boy for a moment and smiles as Hurley gives him a thumbs up. Hurley smiles back, sitting down and settling in with his headphones and a comic book. There goes the comic book. In which a rampant (laughs) polar bear is seen. Ours helps Claire put her bag in the overhead compartment. Shannon frantically searches for her asthma medicine and Boone pulls the medicine out of his pocket with a smile. Um, so we are in agreement that Walt somehow brought the polar bear to the island. Like while he was, because he was like on the beach reading the comic and also the polar bears there and then the birds when he was living in Australia. So we agree that Walt is special. I agree with that. Both times we saw the polar bear was after Walt was had the comic book comic both book. times. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's a far leap. In the jungle. I'm ready, I'm ready. The mighty jungle of the lottery tonight. I'm just going to loop this, and this episode okay. is just going to be you singing. <laughs> All right. Jack, Kate, and Locke go into the Black Rock and find the crate of dynamite. While attempting to handle the dynamite carefully, Ars <laughs> <Arst> himself <laughs> accidentally triggers one of the sticks and it explodes, killing him. <laughs> you know how fucked up you sound laughing at this? <laughs> I don't care. He... <laughs> Such a fucking twat. Talking about high school and cliques and... Right. You know the first thing I thought about when that happened? 
What? Oops, another one bites the dust. I was like, oh. <laughs> but I think that the show did that because he's kind of like the all of us in the sense of like, he's like, oh, and Kate gets the best parts and you think that you're the only ones that are doing something. But in the sense that there are other survivors and it's like, fuck them. They don't, they don't, they don't matter. But, but yeah, funny. so. But when you remember how they came out with it, now they were being gingerly with the box, but he was like, oh, don't touch it. Okay, listen, if you have a problem how they're handling the explosives, which you, you might have a, you might have a reason to, why don't your funky ass go in the cave, go into the damn ship right. and get it yourself? Like you right. can't get it both ways, dude. They said dark territory and like. your ass ran away. <laughs> right. But you go to a bitch and complain. That's why the other teachers didn't hang out with you. Did you did you get um I don't wanna say like scared, but you know, did you I laughed. I laughed. It, like, I was like, oh! it was like a, like I still watch it and I know it's coming and I'm like <laughs> I don't know what it is with me. I have, I don't know, maybe a little psycho sociopath. I don't know. But those scenes where people, like, in a movie or something, people jump up out of surprise, I laugh. I actually had a date. <laughs> I went to a date to see Final Destination 2. And two was, remember, when the kid is chasing the, the pigeons and the glass, like, falls on him? And everyone was like, oh, shit. I no. haven't seen any of them. Oh, what? Anyway, there's one scene, and I started, everyone's like, oh, and I started laughing. And he kind of looked at me like, this is the same. We can't go on any more dates. <laughs> that's, how, so, <laughs> that's how I weed them out now. We go, we go see a horror movie. And if you don't, you can't take my laughing at a horror flick, then you, you can't rock. <laughs> But how, but most of them are not even done well enough these days to make you no. not laugh, you know? No, they're not. But I think, I don't know, maybe, and it wasn't a heart, it was just like, I had blood and gore, and I laughed. I think he was like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I'm like, how can you not find that funny? So yeah, that was a turn off for me. But anyway. All right. The remaining group members decide to continue their attempt to carry the dynamite. They wrap the sticks in wet cloth, as Arst demonstrated. Locke suggests they carry a redundant backup in case one of the carriers blows up. The other will still be able to blow the hatch. Locke, Kate, and Jack all want to volunteer to carry the dynamite, so they draw straws for the responsibility. Jack draws the long stick so Kate and Locke carry the dynamite. On their way back to the hatch, Jack and Kate see a small cloud of black smoke move in an unnatural way through some trees, followed by the rumbling of the monster. According to plan, Jack and Locke drop their packs, but Kate keeps hers on. Okay, two things. One, again, Locke and his games, okay? Is now really the best time to be like, oh, so in, op in operation, <laughs> and Jack is like, he jumps 
thankfully he didn't drop the dynamite but <laughs> he's like you like playing games and Locke is like absolutely I, I was actually, like oh shit <laughs> I actually thought that was kind of funny like, <laughs> like it was I but think, uh, I, is it the right time no but that's what made it so funny <laughs> I mean if something if you do something at the appropriate time it doesn't it's not funny <laughs> no <laughs> but I think more so than that it's like this is the third reference to a game that we got with Locke with backgammon, ah! and now operation. Operation. Right. And, and that moment between them where Jack is, when Jack asks him, you like playing games? And Locke is like, absolutely. I, I feel like that was a challenge moment. You that know? was a big fuck you moment. Yeah. And well, he deserves it. Jack deserves that challenge. And then. And you know how I feel. Jack wasn't supposed to have the dynamite, but he switched bags with Kate. Isn't that that's like that that's the next season. That's the next episode, right? Well, oh, that's part it, three. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of pissed me off. He's tr- he's at the point now where he's he barely has a grip on Locke. Locke is gonna fall down. And if he like that was precious moments that was wasted. Because you'll be a fucking playing game. You have, you wanna fucking play games. And switch the dynamite. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of pissed me off. And if anyone else did that, he would tore them a new asshole. Locke wants to get a glimpse of the monster and almost and almost ends up under it. His leg is caught by the monster, which drags him through the jungle. Jack grabs Locke's arm, and the two are dragged into the opening of an underground cavern, with Jack preventing Locke from being pulled to the bottom. Though Locke pleads with Jack to let him get dragged under, Jack instead tells Kate to grab dynamite out of his bag and drop one down the hole, revealing he had switched the contents of their packs. Kate drops the dynamite down the tunnel, causing an underground explosion and resulting in the black smoke and resulting in black smoke similar to that seen before coming out of a nearby hole on the horizon. It moves in a bizarre, almost supernatural way and disappears. All in less than a second. The hold on Locke slackens, and they are able to pull him out of the hole. Later, Locke reveals that the reason he wanted to fall in the cavern is because it was his destiny, and he felt the island was testing him. What do you make of that scene? Here we go again with the island, the and, island and the destiny. And... And... All right. I love Locke. I think he has his moments, though, when he's a little whoop a um, yeah, yeah, I, I thought my first <laughs> puff of smoke, I was like, wow, that looks like a, like a monster fart, like, you know, I was like, you know, <laughs> like the monsters, yeah, those are the monsters fart or something, because like, whoosh, like, it disappeared in like a cloud of water. <sighs> okay. On the beach, Saeed. Saeed is leading the group back to the caves, awaiting Jack's party's return. Charlie and Claire are alone on the beach when Rousseau runs up, telling Charlie she needs to see Saeed urgently. When Charlie runs off to get Saeed, Rousseau begins asking Claire if she can hold her baby. And Claire tries to make several excuses why she can't give Rousseau the baby. Claire sees a strange scar on Rousseau's arm 
and has a short, ambiguous flashback to a struggle between Rousseau and herself. Any thoughts on that? Well, well, I mean, obviously, she was involved with the kidnapping of Claire. Do you, after seeing that, do you think that she might be more involved with Walt's um, kidnapping? I, I honestly think there's somebody else on the island. I think there's, I think there, uh, I think there's somebody else, a group of other people. I really think there's something else on the island other than her and mm-hmm. eight two eight. Is eight two eight? Is that the, is that the the, the plane? Oceanic. Is oh, eight fifteen. Eight fifteen. Well, we saw no, we saw Ethan. I mean, so obviously. But if there, there at Ethan least could be there with her. was right, right. But that's what I'm saying. There at least was you know, another person. So, and she mentions her daughter, you know, so there's probably at this point, at least one other person. At least. So, no, I think, um, I, I'll, I'll leave the rest of my commentary to after we finish this part. Cause I don't want to, Spoiler okay. alert for anyone who hasn't seen the episode yet. <laughs> if you haven't seen this episode yet, then you need to stop right now, put us on pause, watch, and come back. <laughs> because none of this shit is going to make sense. <laughs> um, Charlie and Saeed return to find Claire knocked out. When she comes to, she exclaims that her baby has been taken. Saeed surmises that Ruto intends to attempt an exchange of the baby which Claire has yet which Claire has just named Aaron for her own child Alex with the others with little daylight left Charlie and Saeed go towards the black smoke on their journey they encounter the drug smuggler's plane and Saeed ignorant of Charlie's junkie's past mentions it is full of heroin they also encounter a trap set by Rousseau which injures Charlie. Charlie's wound to the forehead bleeds profusely, and Saeed tells him to go back to camp, but Charlie refuses. Saeed cuts open a round of ammunition, pours the gunpowder into the wound, and sets it on fire to cauterize the injury. When Saeed and Charlie arrive on the beach with the black smoke, there are no other people, just a pyre burning the smoke. The sound of the baby crying alerts them to Rousseau hiding in the bushes. She cries and tells them she overheard the other saying that they were going to go after the boy. And she thought if she brought Aaron to them, they would return her child. She returns the baby. Saeed and Charlie take Aaron back to the caves, where mother and baby are reunited. And Shannon seeks out and embraces Saeed. One of the statues filled with heroin is in Charlie's backpack. Meanwhile, Jack, Kate, Locke, and Hurley arrive at the hatch. They carefully set up the dynamite on the hinge of the hatch and are about to set it off when Hurley notices the numbers engraved on the hatch's side. Terrified, he yells at them not to light it, but Locke lights the fuse anyway. Hurley tries to stamp out the fuse, repeating the numbers are bad, But Jack tackles him and the dynamite explodes. 
They pry open the hatch to reveal a deep, dark metal tunnel. A ladder with broken rungs can be seen near the top of the tunnel. And Jack and Locke stare down into the pit before them. Actually, that's how the episode ends, but we haven't... They have the, the raft section in here after that. On the raft, the crew is sailing according to plan, and Michael bonds with Walt. Walt learns about Sawyer's long-term search for revenge, and Jin returns to Michael the, the wristwatch, which caused the fight between them. The raft's rudder breaks off, and Sawyer dives into the water after it, risking his life. The rudder is hauled back, and Michael discovers the gun in Sawyer's belt, but doesn't tell the others. That night, their radar sweep turns up a boat in the distance. They fire their single flare, and the boat approaches. It is a group of four men. The castaways are ecstatic on finding rescue. The boat's captain initially seems friendly, but suddenly demands they hand over the boy. Sawyer tries to pull his gun, but he is shot by one of the other crewmen and falls into the water. But actually what this doesn't say is that they turned the light off on them. So this is all pretty much like they, they had a big spotlight on them and then they shut it like a, you know, like a floodlight. And so yeah. now it's dark. Jin jumps into the water to try and save Sawyer and the strangers overpower Michael and kidnap Walt. As they sail off, one of the crewmen throws an explosive onto the raft, destroying it. So, yeah, this I is it. I have big problems with this. I have a big mm-hmm. problems with this whole scene. I think... Okay, so doing an SOS... Okay, they're aiming for the shipping lanes. So doing an SOS and trying to get a boat's attention, a ship's attention in the daytime is dangerous enough because of possible pirates and stuff. At night, it's even more precarious. So that that was my first, like, the fuck you doing? Like, right, like, who the fuck is out there in the middle of the night? Right. But, but this is a desperate situation. I understand. But I, but if they get caught by pirate, like, not even talking about the others or anything. If you get, if you get, if a big ship for the pirates, that you you're fucking asked out anyway. But that was my that was my first thought when they first saw the blip on the mm-hmm. radar. Um, then they see this little dinghy. This thing is no bigger than that fucking raft. It's and like, like a tugboat. Like, uh, like one of those things that you yes. play with in the bathtub. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, my thought was, how the, f- I said, what the hell is this little ass boat doing in the middle of the fucking ocean out of nowhere? Ding, red flag number motherfucking two. Well, okay. Let's, but let's take a step back. Everything okay in there? Yeah, I got, you know, got to fix my tits again. You know, um, they like to sneak out their bra. <laughs> I think that it's important to remember that they're in the pitch black. And they had their sail they, up during the day. They got pretty far away from the island. They don't yes. know where they are. Okay. They have no machines to tell them where they are in I relation to that. anything. That makes so, sense. So, when I think that if you were in that situation, and I'm speculating because I think that it's not hard to imagine that you have floated 
maybe caught another you know, island a, somewhere. a shipping lane right and you got to another island and yeah those boats don't go far but if you I, and i think that the point one of the also points that they said like how does an island this big never get discovered and so if you think about it there's plenty of small islands all over the world and some of them you know have inhabitants and so if you get far enough then in, in this somebody there i'm just saying like it's not impossible because it's not like it was the daytime and they can see they're in the middle of the nowhere and where the fuck is this you know or they're close to the island still or look there's okay. another island or you know whatever it is it's, like okay I think, I think the fact that it's in the middle of the night where they can't see anything they're so disoriented they have no idea where they are although although i will say this um i don't spend a lot of time on boats but i have been on a couple of cruises and it's very disorienting to be on the cruise ship in the at night um when you stare out at the ocean it's so big and it's so vast and it's on one hand it's like you're almost able to like not able to comprehend how fucking big the ocean is but at the same time when you sail away from an island at night you can see it you can see the lights you can see even if it's just a glimmer like yeah you can't see street signs or people or cars but you can see that there's something out there so if there was an island if there was a, a landmass close enough that this small ass boat could have come from it i feel like you would have been able to see it so like i see it on two That's separate little, wavelengths it's on both and then and it's funny when he said my thoughts when he said um how does the island this big not be had not been discovered that's relative to you that that island looks huge to you relatively speaking as opposed to this island in the middle of fucking pacific ocean like yeah it looks huge because you're, you're you're one your person looking at it as opposed right. to you know so like i kind of just shook my head at that line i'm like well yeah right. of course it looks big it's Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. I just like I just get it on two sides. Like I get it. Yeah, I get it. On the on the side of hope, you know, and on the side of logic. But Mike know. is Michael's from New York. He should have been wary of him from the get go. <laughs> but I think also he wanted to believe that his raft worked and saved the day. <laughs> that too. Delusional hey. fake New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> I know one of those. I'm pretty pretty sure there's one in office these days. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway. Anywho. So the season ends. The, the, the season actually ends. The end of the show is them looking down the broken ladder the into the depth of the hatch. I've asked you before, and I'll ask you again, what or who or whatever is in there? Maybe it's Santa Lucia. 
maybe she survived the crash and she's on the island with the others. Or maybe she was never at the lounge. Her spirit was... Okay, no, um... <laughs> All right. Well, that took a turn. It's it's an entryway into an underground city where the others live. I don't fucking know. I actually like that. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a fair guess. I don't. I don't. Know. I don't, I don't trust saying, like, my thoughts anymore. I don't trust I, having a conversation with you and our I other. After, like he's actually he actually made me second guess every thought I've ever had on this show, and all he did was interesting. I'm like, the fuck? What I did wrong? Not <laughs> <laughs> agree right. with me. Okay. <laughs> just, just a teeny bit of trivia. Okay. Um, Aaron's name is first revealed in this episode because previously they called him Turnuphead. Right. <laughs> And it's funny okay. how sons was like, what that mean? What does that mean? And I'm like, yeah, Americans don't name their children with like there's no meaning. Do you know what it means? I have absolutely no idea. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. I'm not gonna tell you what it means, but that will come into play. Uh-huh. No, don't don't no no, they'll they'll talk about it. Okay, fine. Okay. All right, you know what? Since you've been such a good girl. I'm going to give you trivia. Like, I'm going to give you trivia. Okay? <gasps> you going to give me, like, trivia trivia? Yeah. Yay! Hercules, Hercules. Okay. Okay. This season finale, along with five and six, are the only seasons to end on the island. <gasps> what? Season two. You want to know where season two ends? In a flashback, I take it? In the Arctic. With the damn polar bears. I'm not telling wait, you. I'm just telling you that. Wait. Oh, my God. That's so fucking exciting. Okay. Wait. In the Arctic. <gasps> that's all I'm telling you. So, wait. The island the island moves. <laughs> that's why no one discovered it. <laughs> okay. Next. <laughs> All right. I swear to God, if I was right, I would smack me. If what? If I was right, I would smack me. Like that was that stupid of an idea. <laughs> yes, it it moves, and uh, Anna Lucia is in the hatch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with with the others in the underground city. Let's go. Ready? It could it could happen. Sure. I feel like you're mocking me, and I don't appreciate it. I mean, <laughs> this is like there was a polar bear in the fucking island. Yeah, they just they have like um, what do you no. call the wheels on the ships that they used to steer? Stern. They have that, and then they just steer the island where they want to go. Like, I see. I sure. was thinking more of like a magical, it just like it just that makes more sense. <laughs> like it goes poof. It's, Hello, the Bermuda Triangle. Things disappear, reappear all the time. So the island's just like, whew. Okay. It could ha- it's lost. It could happen. The island is lost. <laughs> all right. Ready? Ready. When Jack's group comes upon the smoke monster in the jungle, a huge bird takes flight out of a tree, making a noise that sounds something like Hurley. This is the same bird they come across in the jungle in the season two finale. That bird will be back. 
Is the bird like a series finale, like a season finale bird? <laughs> okay, let's see. Anything else good? Um, oh, here. I'm still so in an interview for Lost, Damon Lindelof explained that this episode was originally one hour long with commercials and would make the finale two parts aired over two weeks. ABC asked them to write a 90-minute episode, but they overwrote it, giving them three parts airing over two weeks. So that's how come it's so long. According to Lindelof, a flashback for Vincent had been planned for this episode. The scene would show Vincent's experience at the airport. However, details of the scenes were spoiled by the press, so the producers decided not to shoot it since it was not important and was only an in-joke. I would have loved to have seen that. Okay, so I am so dis. Listen, the the fucking media fucking up shit. I'm disappointed. Oh, um, they the the girlfriend calls Charlie pathetic, and at the end of the episode, he calls Danielle pathetic. Why is everyone pathetic? I don't know. Maybe because they are. Locke tells Jack he thinks the island chose them to be there, and Jack says he doesn't believe in destiny. And Sawyer calls Michael Han and Jin Chewy, which right goes right into their Star Trek. Han and Chewy thing. I mean Star Wars. Oh my God, don't don't make that mistake. <laughs> I, my bad, I done fucked up. Um, so there was a scene where they feel like um, I think Shannon was talking about how like this is punishment for the like the secrets and the things that they've done in their life. And I gotta say. Like, if that was the case, if that's fate, if that's destiny, the entire world's population is doomed. Because man is, like, we make mistakes. We do the best we can with what we can. And sometimes bad things happen. You know, it's just, so I don't think fate is meant to punish us from just making mistakes. Because if that was the case. You mean like what Sun and um, Claire were talking about? Oh, Claire. I don't know why I thought it was Shannon. It was Claire. All right, my bad. I know it was a blonde chick. Um, yes, what Sun and Claire were talking about. Right, mm-hmm. she's like she's being punished. I'm like, well, yeah, no. That's I mean, depressing to think about life being that way. Jin tells her that he feels like he's being punished because of what he's put her through. Put through. I don't know. I mean, I guess like that's why. Everything, like them being the island. I got the impression like everything that's happened to them, her, them, like this is a punishment, like, but that would go for everyone in the world. Like, if you feel like you're being yeah. punished for, because she said, I feel like being punished for your secrets that we kept and things that we've done, that's everyone walking the planet. And that's the depressing way to look at life. All right. That was when my deep thought for the year. Locke tells Jack, each one of us was brought here for a reason. And that's the same thing that you've actually been saying. Yes. I don't know to be punished. I don't well, know. you guys are on the same wavelength. Yeah, there's a reason. I believe there's a reason. The final words of the season are Michael screaming, Walt. These were also the first words of the season. If you Walt! say so. Oh, right. right. Now, let's just talk about a few of the themes that we might have missed, and then I guess we can wrap it up. Overall... <laughs> What are what are your thoughts of this episode? And and I say episode like, you know, all three Exodus, yeah. It was pretty good. I was able to watch all three of them back to back without 
wanted to like kill myself. Um, I think that as a season finale, it did a really good job. Good job. Because it definitely, I mean, bless you. There's so much over the whole season, and especially that it's a season with so many episodes and so many characters and so many intricacies. I think that the finale episodes really did a good job of giving us a little bit of backstory and backstory, closure, and cliffhanger. It did good. Yeah. I think I would have been pissed off watching part one and then have to wait a week for part two, three. Because I was like, no! Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it would have had me like, no. No, but I thought it was a, it was pretty good. I approve. I approve. I enjoyed it. I like a little, like how you, how it connected everybody. Like how they bypassed each other, like before the actual plane. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Oh, okay. I, you know. You um, know, just all these strangers coming together in the airport on the island before and, yeah it shows it shows their journey like from in the airport how they they're passing each other interacting even with each other at the hotel and, with charlie and hurley right you have yeah. at the hotel you have on the security line um hurley and ours you have uh i mean even boone and sawyer in the in the police station and you right. have why am i drawing a blank oh saeed and shannon Saeed, yes. And Even I find Jin it, and, and Saeed kind of almost kind of crossed a little. A bit, you had yeah. Locke crossing in front of Michael. In front of Michael. And, and there's just a bunch of strangers. And so, like looking back on it now, it seems like, oh, look. But if you were there, if, if that had been the first scene of this show, it wouldn't have struck you as odd. But they've that, come. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think I would have even cared. Yeah, they've come so far together, and I think that that's also what the them launching the raft together symbolizes, is this collective group of people who have been thrown here and now have one goal, is staying alive and getting rescued, and they have this sense of community that they just didn't have before, where they were all strangers. Right, because remember I was like, hello, why can't they get this shit together and come together? Like, you go into the caves, you do, like, we all live in the caves, but we have a sentry watch. Like, why can't you guys get your shit together? Well, it took them a month, but. (laughs) I mean, even if you have plans on getting off the island tomorrow, you still got to do things to survive until tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I felt like they were like, oh, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get rescued. Okay, but then interim. Yeah, but it took them long enough. But anyway, I think that's why a lot of people don't like people. Why they don't like what the show? Me, personally, because I mean, either people love me, they hate me, and (laughs) I'm like, get your shit together. I think some things in life can be spitballed, and just like fuck it. But there's things that can. You need to have a plan, and then because if shit happens, all right, I already had a plan. But at least now I can course correct and take care of this change because I already had shit organized. You know, that's just me. And people don't like me because I'm bossy. And then I have the ones that love me. Like You're me. like, well, thank you. I was waiting for that because I wasn't too sure. <laughs> After all these years, you're still not sure? Shit. I mean, you know. <laughs> we, we got to see a lot of the characters saying goodbye to each other. Yes. 
with one notable exception. And that made me sad because it was just like two ships passing in the night that they like inadvertently they you know it wasn't mm-hmm. it was fault it was just like it wasn't meant for them to say goodbye and they're gonna say goodbye i don't we don't like let's be honest we don't know if they'll ever see each other again they're gonna see each other i'm gonna tell you something don't tell me okay tell me i was i'm <laughs> gonna tell you something without telling you something okay even better after this episode and that raft launching, there will be characters who never see each other again. But they're still going to be on the show. But they won't see each other. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to cry. That, like, what I'm saying is that... I'm going to cry. Yes. Yeah, I, you said, they don't, I, oh, my God. They don't know it's the end. We don't technically know it's the end, but... I'll let you in on that little secret, which is why for me it was kind of more emotional watching no. it now because I'm, I'm like, you know what? Like, holy shit, like this is the last time. It's like, what the fuck, Lost? Don't cry. You'll see Locke again. Don't worry. You'll see I'm Benton. just, <laughs> I'm just, no, I, I, I'm in shock because I kind of assume, like, okay. They're not gonna make it. They're not gonna get saved. I knew that much because like six seasons later, you know they're not gonna get saved. Um, <laughs> kind of tells you that. But I just assume that somehow they're in the back of the island. Oh no! I my heart's broken. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put like a notation in. Oh. All right. So, so from the goodbyes that you saw, which was the most emotional? Vincent. Swimming after Walt. I knew you were going to say that. That had me ugly crying. That was it. I was done for. I think that that was an emotional goodbye. But I think. I think that Jack and Sawyer. Was also up there for me. Because it just goes to show. How far that they've come. As like two cavemen. It was a beautiful moment. But it it didn't have me. It wasn't a heartstring moment. I was like oh okay. Jack was ugly crying. I that didn't do it for me. I'm like, okay, it's I I, I recognize the importance of the scene, but it didn't tug at my heartstrings. Sorry. It's all right. Meh. Um, we found out what the black rock is. We learned that the monster is an island security system. And it farts black smoke. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jack tells Kate that if we survive this, we're going to have a lock problem. You want to take any guesses about what he's thinking, what I, he means? I think he, I think he thinks Locke is crazy. He's at the island. I know, he, like, he thinks Locke wants to kill himself, and I, I trust the island. It has plans for me. I think Jack thinks Locke is crazy. Cocoa Puffs. I... I concur i think you're right i never know when you're saying these things if you're saying it from lisa who's watching it from the first time or lisa who's already seen it you know what i mean <laughs> okay i'm like, trying yeah, to different... say things from lisa, lisa who is watching it in the moment with you not lisa who has seen it before okay it's kind of funny like that must be hard it's 
dope. <laughs> oh my god. I just want to be like, oh my god, no, but he means, you know, or whatever. It or it's just like seeming hard to kind of like, like how to say, like I couldn't watch two or three episodes ahead because I'll they kind of got merged into one. So I can imagine you're like, oh. one of the things that helps me you, Lisa. is that there's so much information in the show that I remember like big picture things, but I haven't watched it consecutively since it was on live. I've seen episodes. So when it was on regular TV, I had my DVR set to record the episodes whenever they came on whatever channel. It would um, record the regular weekly episode, you know, the new episode, but then it would also record on Saturday nights they would come on late at night, and there was another channel, G4, which also had them. And I loved when they came on G4 because, remember pop-up video? Yes. Okay, it, it played them like that. And at the bottom, it had, like, tidbits of information about, like, whatever book Sawyer was reading. Too bad or, we weren't watching it. Too bad we weren't, like, doing the podcast then. Right? That shit would have been fun. So whenever the episodes recorded, that was always like the first thing that I would watch, but it wasn't necessarily in consecutive order. So it was whatever episodes recorded, I would put them on. So I might have seen, you know, episode XYZ four times, but only saw another one once. And so now as I'm going back and watching it in, you know, in in episode episode order. order. I realized that there are things that I have forgotten because I'm catching them now. And I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about. So it's fun. It's fun for me, too. It's not as fun as, like, watching it for the first time. But it's not bad. And I'm enjoying it because it's still, like, little revelations here and there of things that I have forgotten. Things that I forgot, I forgot, you know? Things you forgot, you forgot. Coolios. Yeah. Yeah, so... Some of it is easy for me not to spoil because I don't fucking remember. Remember it. <laughs> but some of it is hard. So that's why it's like, that's why I'm kind of like, okay, my God, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. Because then at least once we get into further seasons, it won't be so bad. Because in season one, I really want to be like, oh my God, wait till you see. Like, I didn't even want to call it the smoke monster. Okay. Because even when he said it, and you were like, the smoke, like, because we haven't called it that. Gotcha. I was like, that's just like, I mean, right. It's not like a big reveal, but you know. I had had a momentary lapse of like, huh, what? And then it clicked. After I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So they'll call it Smoke Monster or Smokey, like, (laughs) you know, but. Monster Fart. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah. But anyway. So this was the end of my season, and I gotta tell you, I started off this season at zero percent interested in this season and the show. I was like, not interested. I don't. I'm doing this because I said I was gonna do it, and Lisa. She said, you're going to have me at a 180 at the end of the season. I am at, like, 97%. Can't you at least give me, like, 100? Yeah, no. 
because I'd be pushing it. I know you hate me. Take a number. There's a lot of people that hate me. <laughs> but so All right. I've gone from zero to 97. And it took a long time to get there. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? What is my purpose in life? Um, but yes. But you did tell me, if anyone if you listen to our special, that it gets a lot better. Mm-hmm. Of course, you said this season gets a lot better, but I'm, you know, it got a little better. Um, I okay, you I know what? I want to hang tough with you to season two and four. I'm looking forward to four now. I I was more or less hooked from the beginning, um, but also the the like when i think about this show and i think about like things that i love about it so much i don't always think about the very beginning in the first season and so i can understand to a point why mm-hmm. you're still like Bleh. because i think that there's a lot that you haven't gotten to appreciate yet we're just gonna keep going um antarctica we, is it, no, 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 you said the eyes gonna end up in the arctic or antarctica yes. the, the arctic. season two finale ends in the arctic the arctic the arctic mm-hmm. how does it get all the way to the arctic <laughs> like the Do you, how does it get there check? no 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 like I'm just like baffled. But where the fuck did I read that? Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Season two ends somewhere in the Arctic. What are you looking at? No, 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 no. Yeah, sure. She's looking on her phone. No, I, I just, just want to make sure that my brain is working. How does it end up in the Arctic? How did it end up over there? And there's someone in the South Pacific all the way in the Arctic. How? How do polar bears end up in the South Pacific? I mean, I don't mean a, I don't mean a, li- a literal answer. It's a rhetorical question. I'm like, mind blown. Like, okay, the show ends. Season two ends in the Arctic. It doesn't mean that the people are in the Arctic. So what the fuck? What the actual fuck, dude? Mind blown. Like, <laughs> I'm mind blown. like. She's baffled. <laughs> I wish you could see me. Like I was like, wait, like I actually do like the like the charades of like wait here and then they're gonna be here. He just <laughs> like I'm like if if I'm looking at a map, I'm like <laughs> uh-huh. this is I can't gonna really do it. That. Yeah, it might get me to a hundred. <laughs> okay, uh, hundred ten maybe. Let's see what okay. happens. All right, my, all right, let's my episode. Yeah. Maybe by the end of season six, we'll get you to 180. <laughs> 179. <laughs> just, just in time to be done. Um, 179 degrees. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that will do it for this episode and for season one. Season one. Season Sass one and is Sips. in the book. So, How do you feel about the season of Sass and Sips? Our me? first season. 
Yeah, how you feel about our first I, season? I think that it went well, all things considered. I think that it was a learning experience for both of us. Um, being that we kind of hit the ground running, learning Not as we went. I know what the hell we would do. We're like, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And we'll learn as we go. <laughs> we appreciate any, you know, and all feedback that we have heard about tips for recording and equipment. And those of you who have engaged with us on social media and email, you know, everything. Just We just want to say that we appreciate you because this was like a pet project for us. And we honestly didn't really think that, like, anybody would listen. And the fact that we have listeners in different countries and different cities, it it still kind of baffles us, you know, like we have listeners in like 21 different countries and it's, it's astounding. Yeah. I'm surprised quite honestly in a good way. Yeah. And we really do appreciate it. Yeah. Like when I've gone on and I've seen stats and I'm like, Oh shit. Like somebody in this country, Holy cow. Like how did they find us? But thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You make us feel that much special. I think my favorite part, I mean, not just sitting here talking the shit with my buddy Lisa, which actually got us talking about a spinoff. I'm excited for a spinoff. Yes. Talking shit with Sass and Sips. Yeah. And yeah, I can't wait for that to come out. But I think I surprisingly because I'm, I'm not a new people kind of person, uh, I like our special collabs we've had. That's I think I had a great time with those. Those I, were fucking awesome. Those really kind of pushed our boundaries because we put Fine. ourselves out there. I, we met new people and we recorded um, some episodes and they all turned out pretty well. And so thank you to those of you who have recorded with us. We appreciate we you. you. Too. Yeah, you guys I, are awesome. Yeah, because as you know, as you guys who listen know, I'm only superficially nice. I don't, <laughs> I don't really like new people. I don't like you till I like you. Um, so Lisa actually brought me up my show. She's like, we're going to do this. I'm like, fine. She's like, play nice. I'm like, fine, I'll be nice. Hi. since you mentioned the special this is it for season one next week we're gonna have a season one recap season two kind of preview episode where we're just gonna talk about just some overall themes yeah those two (laughs) no no just some (laughs) some questions that i have for you about season one and you know, maybe like what you hope to see in season two, things like that. And then the week after, we're going to start season two. And season two, um, I'm pretty sure that we're going to do the first two episodes as a one episode. So you can look for that. And in the interim between season one and season two, any episodes that we've recorded with guests will come out. We already recorded the first one, so that'll be coming out within the next couple of days of this. So keep a lookout for that. And 
if you have any feedback or anything that you want to let us know, please, as always, reach out to us. Um, Never have I ever. Yes, that will be coming out soon also. Um, we're putting our list together of everything that we've gotten. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a shit show. Yeah, and so um, that will be happening before season two. We'll, we'll release that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for so, that. Yeah, one. this is Lisa's way of getting of of firing me <laughs> and replacing me. She's gonna give me some alcohol poisoning. <laughs> I think that if I either of us got alcohol poisoning, it'd probably be me. Actually, you are part you Irish. Right. That's a good point. You know, you have Puerto Rican, so either way, we'll you know, yeah. we'll be, I think we'll be covered. But never have I. I I've done a That's lot. Fun. There's a yeah. lot of things that I've done in my life that I may not. So wait, I have a question. Can I just drink and not tell you what I'm drinking? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Like, <laughs> except I mean, that we're going to record it. That. Dope. <laughs> All right, Omar. <sighs> I'm going to apologize to my family. No, who am I? Shit, they know who I am. Never mind. No apologies necessary. <laughs> it'll be fun it'll be fun I've seen, some of the, I've seen some of the submissions and it'll Anything be fun crazy? Not too crazy. Crazy. Yeah. No, not too I really crazy I really expected some wild and crazy shit me too and nothing yet nothing too crazy so oh yeah. okay that's good we Yay. might have to step it up a little <laughs> we might and have to ask people after this who episode know pop and after this episode, they were like, oh, in that case, mm-hmm. I got something for you. Yeah. Now that they're listening to this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. That'll do it for this week. That'll do it for this season. Stay tuned next week for our season one recap bonus episode. And season one, we want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As always, if you'd like to support the show, we can be found at patreon.com slash sasspod. Any other ways that you can support this shit? She is, like, literally rolling on the bed laughing. (laughs) I slay me! Okay. At least someone does. Other ways you can support this is just simply by telling your friends. Grab their phone and download our episodes into their podcast app. <laughs> just, just force them. And if not, just tell them you're going to have to take the boy. <laughs> um, you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our link is in the bio. Our contact info is in the show notes. You can email us, call us, text us. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for sticking with us for this first season of not only Lost, but our show in general. It really does mean a lot to us. And, you know, we wouldn't ha- we wouldn't come as far as we have without you. So we just want you to know that we do appreciate it. Very you, much so, you guys. Yeah. You guys, this all possible. Any of you who have given us a rating or review on iTunes, we appreciate that too. That means a lot to us. 
So thank you. And if you haven't done so yet, we would really appreciate if you did, because that also helps people find the show. And as always, don't forget to drink responsibly. And by responsibly, don't drink and drive. Drink in front of your computer while you're recording yourselves with your friend and then put that on the internet like we do. <laughs> <laughs> like any responsible adult. Right. <laughs> Over Until the next age time. of 21. Yes, 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 yes. At that, least in this anyway. country. Until next time, we are out of here. Oh, wait. <laughs> I want to say, are you- I've been drinking. <laughs> Until next time. You said, I've been drinking. That was funny. <laughs> it's All right, so Lisa. Bad. Okay. Focus. Until next time, I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And we're out of here. Jeez. It could All be right. funny. It could okay. be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is it too. <laughs> no, no, let's see that again. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching myself. Okay, ready. Okay. Okay. Wait. Until next time. I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And we out of here. Peace. That didn't come out right either, but whatever. (laughs) But now that you talked so quickly afterwards, we have to do it again. No, leave it in there. I think it's kind of funny.